Well, thank you, Joe. Thank you, instrumentalists. And thank you, choir, for leading us and our praise team. Amen. Music just gets better and better every week, it seems like, right? Yeah, awesome, awesome. Brought your Bible. I hope you brought your Bible with you. If you did, turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. We are in the second installment of our Sermon on the Mount, uh, the Beatitudes. Actually, we're not going to do the whole Sermon on the Mount because that's a lot of chapters, three actually. And, but we're going to cover this Beatitudes section and see where God leads us from there. Uh, the Beatitudes, the second installment, those who mourn. We'll read the entire text because I think it's appropriate for us to do that because it helps us set the tone. Matthew 5, verse 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up onto the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and he began teaching them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed for those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the poor in spirit, excuse me, blessed are the pure, uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are, the, are you who, when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say things, all kinds of things, evil against you, blessed because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for, the name, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Would you join me as we pray? Father, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight today. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for this moment that we have, that we can unpack your word and gather from it for nourishment, for encouragement, for correction. Father, I pray that you'll continue to lead God and direct us as we are in this transition period at Roswell Street Baptist Church. And Father, we do believe the greatest days are ahead in the life of this church. While there are many, 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 many wonderful memories of the past of what you've done through this amazing congregation, I truly believe the best days are ahead in the life of this church. Father, we thank you for having our friends, the Thompsons, here today and having them here as our missionaries that we are sending forth to Nice. And Father, I ask you again to continue to bless them in their preparation time. Put a hedge of protection around their thoughts, their minds, their body, all their belongings and things that they have to accomplish over the next several weeks in preparation to land in Nice. And Father, I pray that you'll Open up many opportunities for them as they preach the gospel, live the gospel in front of the people of Nice, France. And Father, I pray your blessings upon Roswell Street Church during this time as we prepare our hearts for the next generation of church life. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. Those who mourn is our topic today. Those who mourn, those who mourn do so because of the sense of a spiritual bankruptcy in their own life. The Old Testament revealed that spiritual poverty is a result from sin. True repentance produces a contrite tears 
and more than jubilant rejoicing because the kingdom is near. The godly remnant of Jesus' day that responded to the call of John and of Jesus wept because of Israel, the nation of Israel's humiliation as well as their own personal sin. You recall what the psalmist said in Psalms 51 verse 4. He said, against you and you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. In this morning over sin, that the result of a personal revelation in our own life and as well as a the nation of Israel and the nation of the kingdom of God that Jesus referred to here Paul writes to the church at Rome he says these words in Romans chapter 7 verse 24 wretched man that I am who will set me free from the body of this death who will set me free from the body of this death? Uh, Barclay writes in his wonderful writings uh, many years ago, he says these words, the Greek word for mourning used here is the strongest word for mourning in the Greek language. It is the word which is used for mourning for the dead, for the passionate lament for one who was loved. One of my professors, Dr. Jameson, wrote these words. Evidently, evidently it was the entire feeling of the, of the sense of our spiritual poverty uh, so that the second beatitude that we study today is a complete com complete completion of the first beatitude that we studied. The one is intellectual, the other is emotional aspect of the same thing. Thing. Religion, according to the Bible, is neither a set of intellectual convictions nor a bundle of emotional feelings, but a compound of the both. The former giving the birth to the latter, thus closely do the first two Beatitudes connect together. I believe the promise of blessings in this beatitude is the future comfort of those who now mourn. I want you to know that mourning is a, an emotional feeling. Every one of us at the sound of my voice have gone through moments of mourning. Mourning is a, a natural occurrence in our life. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 1 says, comfort, oh comfort my people says your God. He goes on to say in Isaiah 66 verses 1 through 3 and in verse 13. Listen to what he says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house, where then is a house you could build for me? Where and where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things. Thus, all these things came into being, declares the Lord. He goes on to say, but this one, this, to this one I will look. To him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. But he who kills as an axe, as an axe is one who slays 
sees a man who he who sacrifices a lamb is like the one who breaks a dog's neck. My goodness gracious. And then he goes on down to verse 13. And one whom his mother confronts, comforts, so will comfort you and will be comforted in Jerusalem. Oh, my dear friend, those who mourn, blessed, he is saying, that those who mourn our sorrow sorrow over our personal sin and if we are not broken for the humility and the sins of our nation we are at fault because of sin will end in when the king sets up his kingdom and the remnant uh, enters into it though disciples of Christ now mourn over sin we should mourn constantly over the sins of our own lives and the sins of our nation Admitting our faults sometimes is most difficult, isn't it? We'll do anything to say that we are wrong. Most people just don't want to say that. I know that there's a lot of people who say, well, I'll, I'll admit it quickly. But I have encountered, even as of this week, of a person who will not admit that they're at fault. They're at fault. Their failures is something that most of us, they just don't want to do. It kind of hurts to say you're wrong. It kind of hurts to say that I'm at fault. However, it gets better the more that we are honest about the issues that we face. It's like going to the dentist. Dentists are necessary animals in life. Amen? I, I, I love dentists. I think they're wonderful people. But they are interesting breed of animal, aren't they? They sit you in a chair and then they turn this bright light right into your face and they lean you all the way where your head is almost touching the ground it feels like and your feet are up in the air and then they grab their assistant and they say come on in here and help me with this procedure that we need to take care of this brother or this sister and what do they do they stick every metal instrument they have in their office inside your mouth and then they start asking questions of you. Well, how are you doing? You know, you're gagging because of all of that. But before they start all of that procedure, they numb your little gum if they're going to have to do some procedure work in there. And they numb your little gum and they stick this little stick in there back in the day and you know, stick it over there, kind of numbs it a bit. And then they bring out this, they say it's a short little thing, but it's a, a rod about this long with Novocaine in it. And they go, this is only going to be a little stick. I've often wanted to say, hang on just a second, Doc. How about you laying down right here and let me numb you up and let me jab this into your gum and see if it's just a little stick, right? But you know, we have to go through that to get that tooth or the area that's infected well. That means we have to go through the procedure. It's going to be a stick for a moment, but it's going to feel good at the end. It's like opening the doors of our life. It's like opening the prison doors of the cell, prison cell doors. You become free of all the hang-ups you have and all the heartaches and all the bad habits that you might have. The walls that you've built around your life are like a prison cell around your life. The hurts of the past, the failures, because of the things that lock us up and we begin to unleash those and, and let those go from doing all he wants us to do. We are all locked up. Let me give you a verse of scripture that the Lord took me to this week. It's Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. 
He says, it is for freedom that Christ sets us free. It's freedom that Christ sets us free. Christ sets us free to live as he would have us live, not the way we want to live. It is free that we live the way he would have us and do the things he would have us do. The second beatitude that we're unpacking this morning, it leads us to confession, mourn after the, admit our own faults, our failures, leads us to the blessings and the pathway of hope and of comfort. Many, many, many. Many people in this world, maybe some of you in this room today, or maybe you're viewing us by our live stream today, we escape from the reality of comfort by using all sorts of handicaps, don't we? We find all mechanisms that will help us, we think, help us escape from the, the normality of life. Some of us, uh, and maybe even some of you in this room, abuse alcohol and drink excessively. Or maybe take drugs, I hope not in this room. Hide behind a computer screen and, and dive into the world of pornography and, and all of these things. That, or get into relationships outside your marriage and breaking those marriage vows. It's gambling. Some uh, find their way to uh, spots to go gamble and they, they gamble their life away. They'll fly to Vegas or maybe to a, a different location to find that way to escape. Some even overspend in shopping or have pity parties and go home and they close their blinds and, and they make everything dark inside, eat their way through their hope and their comfort. Others use anger and believe it or not, some, some even feel better about themselves when they make you feel worse about yourself. They enjoy heaping pain on you. Some even think working an excessive amount, excessive amount. And this is something that I have to guard. I'm a, I'm a self-proclaimed workaholic, have been my entire life. I love to work. I love to piddle. I love being active and moving. And sometimes I have to shut it down. My wife reminded me recently that you recall that time when we had board meeting and I was concerned that you were just day and night, you were working, you were moving the ministry as far down the path as you could possibly move it. And so I went to our board, and the board said, okay, we're going to remedy this, and we're going to let you be the judge of this, Debbie. And I, I said, well, what, I don't remember what you're talking about, Deb. She said, you remember we're sitting in board meeting and the board voted unanimously that you would take Friday afternoons off, shut it completely down. They had to vote for me to take the time off. You say, well, is that the way it is now? No, not really. But I can just honestly say early in my career, I was a workaholic and I still have tendencies to do that. It's one word description of that. It's called escape. We're trying to escape the reality. The problem with all of this is, is that it only lasts for a moment. The real comfort, the real comfort comes not from a hope of comfort, but the real comfort comes when we surrender our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. When we say, God, you're going to be the director of my life. We need to focus on this verse today and see that Jesus turns happiness. He completely turns it upside down. The things that I mourn about make me the happiest when I confess them. Realizing that they will never make me comfortable or give me an everlasting hope. Only Jesus can do that. Only Christ can give us the comfort and the 
the comfort and, and, and hope that we need. We've heard the old story, you know, the boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl. And some of them think that that's the way life really is. Or maybe it's like this, boy gets girl, boy gets better girl, boy gets even better girl. Oh, my dear friends, let me tell you something. Life doesn't work that way. If you think life works that way, you need to gather in here. Let me just say it straight up. We need to grow up. It doesn't work that way. Life is about blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Here's the message truth. If you truly believe God exists, then you must believe that you matter to him and that he has the power to change you and me and comfort me and you and give us an eternal hope. Let that baptize over you a little bit. If you truly believe that he exists, you've got to trust that he will meet every need. So this morning in the short moments that I have left, I want to give you three connecting points for us to consider today that helped me and hopefully will help you, remind you of God's true pathway to comfort and hope. The first one is this. We need to see who God really is. Sometimes we in the buckle of the Bible belt, right here, deep south Georgia, it wouldn't matter if it's Georgia or Alabama, Patrick. In the buckle of the Bible belt, sometimes we talk about God, but we forget who he really is. I'm reminded of Romans chapter 8, verse 1, one of my favorite verses because it is such a reminder. It says, there is there now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So gather in here close to your friends. Don't miss this. If you're in Christ Jesus, we need to be reminded of who he is in our lives. He is the great corrector of times when we need correcting. But he is the most comforting at the times that we need most comforting. God is not a condemning God, but a compassionate God for those who are in him. Those who are in him, he is the most compassionate about. In a few short weeks, be honest with you, it's not very far off, we'll be celebrating Easter, the Resurrection Sunday at the end of March. And it's going to be a great day. And historically, over the last several years, and Patrick will contest to this as well, over a billion people around the globe will celebrate Easter at some worship kind of gathering somewhere along the way. A billion people uh, celebrating the resurrection, which that's wonderful. There's over almost 8 billion people on the planet, so one-eighth of them are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. It's all about God reminding us who he is, not condemning us, but reminding us of the resurrection and the power that we have in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8 verse 34 who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who is also intercedes for us. Right now. Don't miss this, folks. Right now. Sitting at the right hand of God. He is interceding for us. When we're discouraged... He's interceding. When we're downtrodden, he's interceding. When we're mad, he's interceding. I would imagine when we're mad and about to lose our temper, he's even interceding even more. Because he's no old Dan's about to say something he ought not say, so I need to speak into his life through the Holy Spirit. 
Amen? Oh, my dear friends, it is Jesus Christ who came to this planet. He lived his life for us. He went to the cross for us. He rose from the grave for us. He prepares a place for us. His desire is to have a loving relationship with us. He is someone who is not out to get us. He loves us. Who are you going to trust? The things that you can escape to, are you going to trust King Jesus? Who died for your wretched soul and mine. Your feelings? Oh, I'm going to trust my feelings. I'm going to lean over and tell my neighbor about my feelings. Are you going to trust that? Are you going to trust King Jesus? Who gives you the grace every day to operate. What God has not said about us, but he demonstrated his love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God condemns those who reject his son. That's the only person he condemns. Not us. He's who said yes to him. You are the love, the love of God of this universe who saved our lives. Notice what the psalmist said in Psalms 86 verse 15. I love this. But you, Lord, are compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in hatefulness. No, abounding in love and faithfulness. And so the Apostle Paul said it so beautifully to the church at Corinth. He said these words, God is the Father who is full of mercy and comfort. You remember a few weeks back when we studied Psalms 23, that life text, not the death text. The life text in Psalms 23 David so beautifully described in the, depending on your translation, 105 words or 115 words, the whole Psalms 23, six verses pointed back to the first two, the Lord. The Lord is the one who loves us. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. So my dear friends, don't miss this principle. We need to see who God really is. I challenge you as you're reading throughout the year of our daily Bible reading plan. I challenge you to look for God in every one of those texts. And you're going to say, wait a minute. We're going to get over there into Leviticus? How are we going to figure that out? He's there. I promise you. He's there in Hebrews. He's there in Revelation. He's there. We need to see who God really is. Not only do we see who God really is, but secondly, we need to see who I really am. We need a self-evaluation. As my old disciple used to say, you need a spiritual checkup from the heart up, brother. You need to have a spiritual checkup. I want, to know, I want you to know, dear friends, I'm broken just like you are. I'm loved as well. Even with all my hurts and my bad habits and my hang-ups and the deepest, darkest secrets of my life, I am loved. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we use this in spiritual, when we're having gospel conversations with people, wonderful text. For all has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We love that. All you sinners have fallen short of the glory of God, don't we, Patrick? We want to bang them over the head with that. But oftentimes, we are all in the same boat, but he loves us. But oftentimes, we feel bad about that, but we oftentimes... Leave it at that verse when verse 24 is just as appropriate. 
It says these words, but being justified as a gift of by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? We are justified through the redemption of Christ Jesus. Dear friends, if there's anything you need to hold on to, that's the verse you need to hold on to. We are justified by his grace. I love what Luke says in Luke 12 too. But there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be made known. Oh, my dear friends, Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, I love you with an everlasting love. So I will continue to show my kindness. And Psalms 119 verse 76 says, may your unfailing love be my comfort. All of those wonderful things point us to who we are. But his grace shows us who he is. So pathway number one is the new idiot to see who God really is. But then we need to evaluate and see who we really are. And finally, we need to see how God can change me. We can't get changed until we have a realization we need changing. Amen? I've come to the understanding that the only person that likes change is a baby, doesn't like change is a baby with dirty, dirty diapers. They, they just don't want their diapers. They don't want to stop. But once they do, boy, they're off and running. Here we go again, Right? Oh, my dear friends, see how God can change us. The whole idea of change has two negative connotations to it, two negative reactions. I'd like to change, but I don't have time to go through the process. Can I get amen to that? Some of us are going through that, right? I'd like to change, but I just don't have time. I'm so busy. I got so much on my... Have you seen my calendar, Pastor? It is jam full. How can I go through this process of change? Secondly, who am I kidding? Who am I kidding? I've tried that before. It didn't work. I've prayed hundreds of times, hundreds of prayers, and nothing worked. I've disappointed myself and others many, many times. I feel like a a disappointment to God. Why should I even try? Dear friends, both of those are negative reactions. It's like you have taken it and put it all on your shoulders. Not notice what Isaiah says yet again. In Isaiah 40, verse 28 and following, you have heard or understood? Have you, have you never heard or understood? Don't you know that the Lord is a, the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows faint or weary. No one measures the depths of his understanding. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. Patrick, Katie, when you get tired of getting prepared, And worn out, just remind yourself that God has got you. He's got you to lift you up. He offers strength in your life. Even youths will become exalted and young men will give up. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Hummingbirds are interesting, aren't they? Have you ever watched hummingbirds? They just wear me out watching them. Their little wings, they're flying. And they got that long little beak and everything. They fly, Patrick, so fast just to get a little sip of that red stuff. I don't know what that is, but I'm going to try it one day. It must be good stuff because they work so hard. But you see, hummingbirds are God's creatures. 
Right? But unlike an eagle, man, there's nothing prettier than a Saturday afternoon, brother, in Auburn, Alabama, <laughs> sitting in that wonderful Jordan-Hare Stadium, waiting on those Auburn Tigers to come out, and it's pregame celebration. And then all of a sudden, the, they, they, the, the folks over at the vet school, they said, we got something for all of you people. It's going to be amazing. Can't wait. And the team and the place is going crazy. And all of a sudden, they open the cage, and that beautiful, golden, beautiful bald eagle goes flying around that stadium, around that stadium. And they just keep going and going. And then all of a sudden, right in the center, right on the AU, boom, he lands right there. You do that with an elephant. <laughs> Try that with a bulldog. Not happening, right? It's because that eagle has those massive, unbelievable wings. God has designed your soul to catch the updraft of his love. It's not a matter of saying, God, I'm trying to hope. But I am trusting moment by moment, day by day, swat of those wings by swat of those wings. The way to get there is not to achieve an attitude of hope, but to recognize that God and God alone can, give, can do the hope in your life and give the hope in your life like you and I have never experienced. That's the growth and the hope that's in God. See who we really are in the presence of God. See who God really is. And see how God can change us. J.B. Phillips in his translation of Philippians. It is so beautiful. Listen to this. Philippians 2 verse 13. For it is God who is at work within you. Giving you the will and the power to achieve his purpose. The will and the power to achieve his purpose. It is God who's at work within you. Giving you the will and giving you the power to change your direction. Your energy to change. Your attitude to change. Your life will forever be changed. When you surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted. Let's pray. With heads bowed, eyes closed, maybe in this room. Maybe you've just been trying so hard. You've been like that, that little hummingbird just flapping those wings, trying to do and achieve. Yet God wants to take the updraft of love and hold your wings up and walk with you and fly with you. Maybe today God is speaking to you about not just mourning from the past, but mourning, mourn in rejoicing of what he has done for you and for me. Maybe today you need to just say, Pastor, I'm just going to surrender my will and my ways to his will and his way for his purpose in my life. Maybe you're viewing us by our live stream, and that's the very thing that God is speaking to you about as well. 
We challenge you to reach out to us. We have people that are willing and ready, able right now to reach back. He's a great God. He's a just God. He's a loving God. He's a comforting God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Father God, we thank you for what you're about to do in this place. Rekindle the fire in that one that may be wayward. Maybe the one that's here today that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, Lord. Maybe today is a day of salvation for them. Maybe they're viewing us by our live stream, and today they want to confess their sin. Maybe they want to receive you as their Savior and their Lord. Maybe there's one here today that's just been trying and trying and trying over and over and over. And they're tired. Father, I pray, I pray that they will surrender their lives to you. Thank you for your text today that we studied. Thank you for your word. It never returns void. Now do your work in this place, and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. We stand. We're going to sing. Joe's going to lead us. You come. We have staff here and encouragers here to pray with you. Don't miss this moment. Don't leave this room unless if the Lord has spoken to your heart. You come right now.